MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, June 29th, 2022. Today, explosive testimony from Cassidy Hutchinson during the last minute hearing on the 1-6 attack on the Capitol. Ghislaine Maxwell is sentenced to 20 years in prison. There's no chance that Supreme Court justices could be charged with perjury during their confirmation hearings. Turkey has dropped its opposition of Finland and Sweden joining NATO. And filmmaker Alex Holder has been contacted by the Fulton County DA, Fonnie Willis. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hello, everyone. You're going to have to forgive me today. I am so sick, and so I apologize for my raspy voice. And I did not get her sick, everyone. We have not seen each other in person. (laughs) I I cannot take responsibility, but we should all send healing thoughts to you, Allison. And I'm sorry you're not feeling well, honey. Well, thank you. I should be feeling better soon, hopefully. I am resting. I am drinking lots of fluids. I am taking care of myself. Yes, I am still watching and reporting on the news, but I would be doing that whether this was my job or not. I just wanted to put that out there. I can't (laughs) stay away from it, especially today. Holy shit, that testimony. Amazing. It was, I mean, we've already used up all the words, right? Yeah, it was, this was, I mean, very damning testimony. And I mean, obviously there were some incredibly laughable moments. We'll get into them in a little bit, but, you know, we have to remember this is a Republican. This is a Trump Republican. This is a, um, a, you know, a, a Meadows Republican and has been for a very long time. And she will probably continue to be a Republican. But uh, she she came forward when she needed to to protect the democracy of this country. And as she said, she was disgusted by what she heard and saw. Yeah, it was a very powerful testimony, very credible witness. I imagine will be a very credible witness for the Department of Justice. If she hasn't been already, we don't know. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. Also, later in the show, we're going to be talking with Randall Eliason. He's a former federal prosecutor about potential perjury charges for justices who told us Roe was settled law in the confirmation hearings and how it's not really at all actually possible that they could be brought up on criminal charges for lying to Congress. And he'll tell us why. I just wanted to sort of put that baby to bed before, you know, people keep, you know, demanding it. (laughs) I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Because, yes, they're assholes. Yes, they deceived us. But uh, criminal perjury charges are a little bit different, have have a different standard. So we'll talk about that. And um, then we'll do the good news. Sound good? Sounds great. Sounds good to me. All right. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Okay. A couple of quick headlines before we dive into the hearing. First up, Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in prison. The guidelines said she should get about 17.5. Prosecutors were asking for 30. She got 20. So it was an upward departure from the guidelines, which means more than she was supposed to get, but not as much as the DOJ wanted. And that's pretty normal. And I hope that, yeah, I hope she serves 19 of them. And then I'm not wishing death upon anyone, but I hope she doesn't uh, get out of prison during this lifetime. Mm -hmm. She doesn't deserve to be a free woman ever. Agreed. Agreed. And I still want names. I want all the names. I want Democrats, Republicans, Independents. I want all the fucking names. I want everyone to go down for this still. Uh, And I I consider this good news down in Fulton County. The DA, Fonnie Willis, has subpoenaed documentary filmmaker Alex Holder for his Trump footage, and he is complying. Lawyer said, quote, my client will comply with any lawful subpoena from the Department of Justice or any other law enforcement agency. So not coming forward by free will, understandably, but 
not fighting any subpoenas. So that's good news. Yeah, I think it's a friendly subpoena. It was probably like he's got a lawyer and they subpoenaed him and, and he asked his lawyer and, or, you know, they asked him for the stuff probably. And, and he said, well, my lawyer says subpoena me on, I'll, I'll hand it over. Sure. And that makes me wonder too, Dana, if the DOJ subpoenaed him, because they mentioned the DOJ that they would comply with a lawful subpoena. True. From DOJ or any other law enforcement agency. Uh, of course, no one asked that follow-up question, but you know, whatever. And uh, NATO leaders will formally invite Finland and Sweden to join the alliance on Wednesday after Turkey lifted its veto on their membership thanks to a deal reached that was brokered in part by Biden at the G7. So well done there. Indeed. And this story, it hurts my heart. Russian court, Russian court Monday scheduled Brittany Griner's trial to start Friday. That's according to her lawyer and ruled the WMDA star's detention be extended six more months pending its outcome. Now, fewer than 1%, this statistic is terrifying, fewer than 1% of people are acquitted in this kangaroo court in Russia. She's been charged with an exaggerated charge of massive drug distribution, which we know is bullshit, when she had an empty vape cartridge on her. It was hashish oil, it was empty vape cartridge, and they are really going after this. And I do not know why the government has not gotten her back. Yeah, she's a hostage, basically. And now on to the hearings. And, and by the way, I, I really do hope that this government does everything they can, whatever trade is necessary to get Brittany Griner back. Indeed. Multiple historians and multiple political experts, including Bernstein, Woodward, John Dean, are saying today that the testimony of Cassidy Hutchinson was by far the most explosive and credible witness testimony they've ever heard. A lot of prosecutors are saying that, too. They've never heard anything like it. Even some current Trump allies were left speechless, according to Jamie Gangal at CNN. She's in touch with a lot of Republicans on the Hill. Last night, we were all speculating about who the mystery witness was going to be. And we were thinking it was someone big because of amped up security concerns and the fact that she brought an entourage of lawyers with her that was going to, well, we'd heard that there was going to be an entourage of lawyers accompanying the mystery witness. We found out today that was the truth. But we didn't know who it was last night. And it was kind of... uh, dare I say fun on Twitter, speculating who this was going to be, but we thought it was going to be like a huge, like Cipollone or Meadows or even Pence himself. And then when we got the news, it was Cassidy Hutchinson. Everyone seemed a bit confused a little bit about the hype. We've seen her video testimony. She's spoken to them three previous times, but no one is confused about it today. No one. Single-handedly, she connected Donald, Rudy, and Meadows to the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers and seditious conspiracy not just obstructing an official proceeding, which is what I've been saying forever. She added, you know, you know me, I'm always like, just go for, you know, obstructing an official proceeding. It's going to be too hard to prove seditious conspiracy. But after today's testimony, I'm, I'm on team seditious conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> she added that Rudy asked for a pardon just days after discussing Oath Keepers and Proud Boys at the White House. Meadows asked for a pardon just days after speaking with Stone and Flynn. Mr. Fifth, Mr. F- I'll take the fifth and I have <sighs> shitty internet service. What the fuck? Your general, get better Wi-Fi hate that guy. He needs to be recalled and court-martialed and stripped Absolutely. of his retiree benefits. We learned the president assaulted his secret service. And we learned that people in Trump world are involved in witness intimidation, which is extremely serious and very straightforward here. So Dana, you watched. Let's discuss some of the major reports from today. First of all, obstructing a proceeding to seditious conspiracy. As I said, I, yesterday, if you'd asked me what, what I think Department of Justice should charge Trump with, I would have said obstructing an official proceeding. And that, you know, because there might have been an explicit, you know, an implicit agreement between the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. No, now I'm on, you know, seditious conspiracy. Yeah. And I'll, we'll get into that in a second. But 
the connections between several, you know, several mentions of the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys for, with Rudy. Didn't she say, didn't Cassidy say, well, you know, whenever Rudy was around the Oval Office, he was always talking about the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. Absolutely. And I think some of us thought it might be Alexander that was coming in today, too, and <laughs> was not, which because he made some mention of having an appearance in D.C. on his social media platform. But yeah, um, that doesn't necessarily mean he won't be eventually, mm-hmm. you know, one of the witnesses. We still have more hearings coming. Yeah, true. Although he's garbage. Oh, for sure. But I wouldn't put him I wouldn't put him anywhere within a mile of that hearing room, honestly. But he he has testified to the Department of Justice grand jury. He has testified to the committee. We may see video of that testimony. If we don't, then that sort of solidifies that he was garbage and we don't need him. Something else we learned today that sort of just got glossed over amidst all the like huge drama, violent physical drama was that the the call to the Willard, right? Donald instructed Meadows to contact Stone and Flynn yeah. on the night of January 5th. And we know they were part, as along with Bannon and Eastman and Rudy and others, of that war room at the Willard. And we know that our friend Hugo Lowell had reported back in November, he got the scoop that there were phone calls placed from the White House to the war room at the Willard. And then we saw that evidence today and, and Hutchinson testified about it. She asked to set up a Secret Service trip to the Willard for Meadows. Uh, He was like, do this, get me over there. And so, you know, she's like, don't do this. Yeah. She's like, no. Um, So he called in by phone, I guess. Yeah. I mean, she it's interesting. She was definitely looking after him. I mean, up until those up until the end. I mean, she was trying to do her job Mm -hmm. and he was so far down that rabbit hole. He was he was gone. Yeah, it struck me all the time she testified when she was trying to tell him that violence was going to happen or that violence was happening or we have to do something or important things are going on, how he was just scrolling on his phone, ignoring. Didn't look up. Shutting the limo door twice on her while he was on the phone. Like, just very like, nope, nope. Um, He's not going to do anything. He doesn't want to do anything. Um, Just extremely damning evidence on his part. And um, then we have... Pat Cipollone, who was invoked quite a few times today, and I think this hearing may have been another effort by the committee to convince Pat Cipollone to testify. I would say that in Thompson's closing argument. I I would definitely say this was a little nod to him of being like, hey, gee, if you get the courage, you might want to come in. Yeah. And, and we found out that Cipollone told the White House that if Donald goes to the Capitol, because apparently he was, I really want to go. I want to go to the Capitol. I'm taking me to the Capitol after the ellipse speech. And they're like, no, 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 and no. And, and we found out Cipollone actually said, if, if you go there, you'll be charged with every crime in the book. And Hutchinson testified specifically to a couple of crimes that were mentioned, which were 371 and 1512 C2, right? Defrauding the United States and obstructing in a proceeding yep. with regards to violence at the Capitol. But he's directly tied to it now. Also warned explicitly, explicitly about defrauding the U.S. This was Cipollone obstructing proceeding with regards to the violence at the Capitol. Like he's he's in the middle of all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And um, what I know today that I didn't know yesterday is that he wanted to lead the insurrection. He it seemed to me like right before before today, he seemed like a. Oh, you mean Donald? Yeah. Yes. He seemed to be like, oh, I didn't incite anything. I just gave a speech with some powerful words and then went back and 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 maybe the you know i didn't do much to stop the violence but i but he seemed like a more of a hands off but he actually knew 
and was told that these guys were armed, that they were dangerous. And and let's talk about that before we talk about the Secret Service assault. I mean, th- for him to say, I want the mags down. And for those of you listening that don't know what they are, those are the metal detectors. And he said, that mm-hmm. he, you know, Hutchinson testified that he was upset that the crowd size wasn't larger. Well, because people weren't being allowed in that had weapons, including AR-15s. And Trump was like, take down the mags. I don't give a shit. They're not here to hurt me. Let them through. I know they're not going to hurt me. How the fuck would you? No president in the history of our country. And he's also got enemies would allow that stuff to happen or even encourage it to happen. Right. Yeah. He said, let my people in, get rid of the fucking mags. They're my people. And then they can march to the Capitol after. And you you brought up the smoking gun. They're not going to hurt me. That implies they could hurt other people and I don't care. Well, he knew that they wanted to because of the conversation she was having about that she heard in the Oval Office about the hang Mike Pence chance when Trump was like, he mm-hmm. deserves it. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, and then this shows ahead of time that he knew they were dangerous and didn't care. And that is what makes this seditious conspiracy. He wanted to lead them over there to overthrow the government by force. That's the element. And speaking, this is where the funny part, and I know you and I found this amusing. It is because he's fucking batshit. Sorry, but he's just nuts. He is absolutely a lunatic, like certifiably at this point. He is so, Hutchinson testified that she, her, was she in the car or did she just hear from the Secret Service agent? No, she actually went, when they got back to the White House, she was in a different car. She went up and saw these two guys, this Engel and what's his name? Um, I know it's Engel. Ornato. Oh, yeah. Ornato and Engel in, in, the, in Ornato's office or Engel's office, one of the two. And they asked her, like, did you hear about what happened in the Beast? She's like, no, what happened in the Beast? The Beast is the yeah. presidential limo. The lead car. And so she testified today that they told her this. Thank you. OK, because everyone, you know, the only thing it's interesting, everyone's like, oh, of course, the GOP, it's hearsay. It's hearsay. First hand witness testimony is not hearsay. It's just, if you're a firsthand witness and you were there for the conversation, she wasn't there for this one, but she was told directly by the Secret Service who was in the car. So if we need to get, I'm sure, I'm sure it'd be easy to get his testimony, but this rumor has it is that Donald thought he was going, he wanted to go to the Capitol. And they said, sir, you're not going to the Capitol. He said, I want to go to the Capitol. And he said, sir, we need to get back to the White House. And then Donald lunges for the steering wheel with his tiny little hands. And apparently the driver was like, sir, you need to release the steering wheel. And then with the free hand, apparently lunged at his neck and tried to choke him out. Yeah. And and speaking of hearsay, by the way, uh, Renato Mariotti is talking about this. All, you know, legal legal people are talking about this on Twitter. Statements of Trump or others, as recounted by Cassidy, are not hearsay if offered by the DOJ against Trump in a criminal case. It's not. There you go. There's a million exceptions for hearsay, and that's one of them. So while, you know, we're used to the law and order, that's hearsay, this would not be. But yeah, physically assaulted his Secret Service guys. I mean, that's and they never said anything to the public. I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. And, you know, it was interesting. Who was it? Oh, man, I can think of it during the conversation. But there's been a lot of people tweeting and we have to remember this. All of these people had opportunity to speak up. They all had this information. You know, it goes back to like the impeachment hearings where these people all were writing books and they were holding on to it and they wouldn't come forward. I'm like, I have a lot of respect for Hutchinson. I don't necessarily trust her sort of like 
Cheney at this point. I have a lot of respect for what she's doing right now with this hearing, but we still disagree on 99% of the other things in my life. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. She doesn't think that you have the right to exist. So right now, Ornato, according to Hutchinson, told Meadows that the rioters headed to the Capitol were armed, and Meadows asked Ornato if he had told POTUS, and Ornato said yes. He informed POTUS. He told Donald that the mob had spears, guns, knives, bear spray, body armor, and flagpoles. That they were sharpening into spears. Yeah, spears that they would stick on the end of flagpoles, too. So I mean, crazy. like, they had all these weapons. And, and guns, too. Yeah. And Ornato informed Donald of this. So Donald knew. He knew that they were an armed, potentially violent mob. And that's the force part of seditious conspiracy. And I think we need a full-on investigation into obstruction of justice now, if there isn't already one. Because right there at the end, remember, Dana, at the end when they put up the threats? Oh, it was beautiful. I I love that Cheney teased this. She was like, listen, we're going to cover this in some future hearings. And just so you know, if this is you, pay attention. Yeah. And what happened was she, she put two up on the screen. And the first one is, what they said to me is, as long as I continue to be a team player, they know I'm on the team. I'm doing the right thing. I'm protecting who I need to protect. You know, I'll continue to stay in good graces in Trump world. And they have reminded me a couple of times that Trump does read transcripts. And just to keep that in mind, as I proceed through my interviews with the committee, another one said, redacted, let me know you have your deposition tomorrow. He wants me to let you know he's thinking about you. He knows you're loyal and you're going to do the right thing when you go in for your deposition. And, you know, it can't get more straightforward than that unless you say, I will murder you if you do, if you absolutely you know, <laughs> bad things are going to happen to you and your family if you don't say what you need to say. And that never happens. And people have prosecuted mobsters on this kind of language forever successfully, mind you. So I, I think we should have a full obstruction of justice investigation. That is definitely obstruction of justice. That is witness tampering. That is witness intimidation. Clear as day. There's no question. It can't even be argued otherwise. The only question I'm left with. Uh, Dana, is why today? Why did this testimony have to happen? Why did they have to break in through their schedule that wasn't going to resume until mid-July to have this testimony today? I thought maybe there was some sort of law enforcement thing that had to take place or there was some sort of coordination with the DOJ. It appears as of this moment that the reason is, is because of the security threats and intimidation and that they wanted to secure her testimony before and in case somebody got to her. Good Lord, that is terrifying. And and people have said it all over Twitter. She should have 24 hours, seven days a week protection at this point. She needs it and she should have it. I assume she does. The committee wouldn't comment on that, but I, I assume that she does. I would assume so too. All right. Well, I think of Seamus and Ruby should have it too. And like, like everyone should. Um, it's kind of astounding. This young woman has more chutzpah than any of the grown-ass men that are unwilling to come forward and testify. hundred percent. There's rumor, uh, you know, it's funny because I'm like, oh, you know, I hope that she, you know, this maybe changes her trajectory in the political world, but there's already rumors that she's going to go work for DeSantis. So who the fuck knows with that? I mean, to be honest with you, there's just rumors, but it's just amazing to me that these people will come out and say, this is disgusting, this is disgusting, this is disgusting, and they'll still vote for him the next time. So it's really hard for me to settle into 
you know, calling them heroes. But in this moment, she's necessary. She did the right thing. And it was brave. Very. Yeah. I don't I don't necessarily think she's a hero, but I'm just I was just sort of making the the point that we have that Ashley girl. We have Olivia Troy. We have Cassidy Hutchinson. We have Stephanie Winston Wolkoff. We have just it's all it seems like it's all women. It is that are willing to to drop in and do this kind of public. We've got some folks that had really harrowing and incredible testimony. Shay Moss and her mom, Ruby Freeman. I mean, it's just these women, it's women. When, you know, when, when the, when the shit settles in a couple of decades and there, we find out what political sides they end up on. Yeah. We can have that discussion, but you know, John Dean was also a criminal and a Republican, but he is now revered as a, as a cool dude. Right. <laughs> so That's true. You know, Jamie Lannister, we all ended up liking him by the end of Game of Thrones. It's possible. Anything's possible. <laughs> oh, man. Is what I'm saying. But no, it is, you know, I'm with you. The, the, we, when we see their voting records, it's like cringe Orama and mm-hmm. just, you know. But uh, I just thought it was interesting that these very young women that are willing to do this in, in the face of death threats, yeah. real death threats. Absolutely. All right. We will be back with Randall Eliason, who will tell us, whether we like it or not, that the justices can't be charged with lying to Congress during their confirmation hearings, and he'll tell us why. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. As you know, I recently gutted my house, remodeled the whole thing, but I didn't really do anything to my bedroom. That was the last thing, and I just finished it. I upgraded it by purchasing the bed from Thuma. Thuma practices an intentional, less is more design philosophy, which I love. Uh, It's got clean lines, subtle curves, and lifestyle-enhancing details. Thuma proves that simplicity is the truest form of sophistication. The bed by Thuma is handcrafted from eco-friendly, high-quality, and upcycled wood, so it's good for the planet, and you'll find beautiful, unique variations in the natural wood grain. The minimalist design featuring Japanese joinery fits perfectly in my mid-mod space. Uh, It's super supportive for your mattress. It's breathable and made to naturally minimize noise, and it just creates openness in your room. I love it so much. The bed by Thuma is backed with a lifetime warranty, ships right to your door in three easy-to-maneuver boxes, and it only took me about five-ish minutes to assemble with no tools required. It was so easy. And Thuma works with one tree planted, and they plant one tree for every bed and nightstand sold. And all of their essentials are Green Guard Gold certified because Thuma cares about the planet as much as they care about helping you create the bedroom of your dreams. So create that feeling of checking into your favorite boutique hotel suite, but at home with the bed by Thuma. And now go to thuma.co slash beans to receive $25 credit toward your purchase of the bed plus free shipping in the continental U.S. That's thuma.co slash beans. Again, thuma, T-H-U-M-A dot C-O slash beans for a $25 credit. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am happy to be joined today by former federal prosecutor, white-collar crime professor at GW Law, and contributing columnist to the Washington Post, Randall Eliason. Welcome, Randall. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am really glad you're here because I, I sort of want to put to rest a question, or a, should I say a demand, that people have been making on social media that we somehow charge the justices on the Supreme Court with perjury or Title 18 U.S. Code 1001, you know, lying charges because they told us that they felt that Roe was settled law at the time during their confirmation hearings. And you put out a great thread on Twitter. I encourage everyone to follow you for straightforward information. Can you talk a little bit about why this isn't really a thing? Sure. Thanks. So the the, the main thing to remember about perjury or false statements prosecutions is that you can't prosecute somebody for perjury for being misleading or evasive. I mean, the law on that is very clear. They've got to 
directly make a provably false statement knowing that it's false at the time. And, you know, witnesses evade and dodge all the time. And the Supreme Court's been, been very clear that that's not perjury. It's, it's the job of the person asking the questions to try to pin them down because witnesses are sometimes expected to be evasive. And, you know, unless you actually lie about a provably false fact, it's not going to be based for a criminal charge. There might be, you know, there are other possible remedies, but it's not going to be a crime. So statements like Roe is settled law, Roe is an important precedent, sorry, decisive is important. Those are all true statements. I mean, it was settled law. That doesn't mean it can never be overturned because it was settled law in the form of a Supreme Court case. And those are always subject to being overturned. Um, Stare decisis is important, but that doesn't mean cases never get overturned. Even if you believe in stare decisis, occasionally prior rulings do get overturned. You know, Roe is a precedent that's been affirmed many times. That was a true statement as well. So the point is, all these things they said at the hearing were, were... technically and literally true. And as a result, they're never going to form the basis for a criminal prosecution. Right. And even when they were asked if they would overturn Roe v. Wade, their answers usually were something along the lines of, I'm not going to speculate on hypotheticals at this time. I don't I don't know what that case is. And so I can't say, you know, and something along those lines also occurred. Right. Yeah. And that's the norm. That's been the norm at these hearings for decades. Uh, they're really pretty meaningless at this point because the, the nominees just spend the whole time trying to avoid getting pinned down on pretty much anything, and they've gotten pretty good at it. So, But the whole point of a criminal prosecution with perjury is false statements is that you have to pin the person down. <laughs> and if just being evasive or dodging the question or saying, well, I can't answer that hypothetical, things like that. Again, people might feel misled you know, by the overall tone of the answers. Although I think if anybody was really misled about what was going on, they were pretty naive. I think people that were paying attention knew exactly what was going on. But even if you end up feeling misled, that doesn't make the answer a criminal offense. Um, It it just means that the questioning wasn't precise enough or that the witness was successful in avoiding actually answering the question. Yeah, I remember we saw this with Jeff Sessions during his confirmation hearing or during a I think a Senate Judiciary hearing where he said, yeah, I did not have communications with the Russians, which is clearly untrue, but in context of his full statement, couldn't be prosecuted because it wasn't, you know, they couldn't nail it down, like you said. That's exactly right. And this is particularly true. I mean, perjury prosecutions are relatively rare and they're considered pretty difficult uh, to prove. And it's just for this reason, because given the kind of malleability of language and the and the, avail, avail, uh, the possibility of sort of miscommunication, misunderstanding, things like that, it's really hard to pin somebody down precisely enough that you can prove that what they said was perjury. The ability to do that is the mark of a really good cross-examiner. And there aren't that many really good cross-examiners out there. And there certainly aren't very many in Congress. So perjury based on congressional testimony is almost unheard of because they're so bad at asking questions. And frequently, they're more interested in making speeches and getting on you know, cable news than they really are in drilling down and trying to pin the witness down, which is what it takes to make a criminal case. Yeah. And we just saw Sussman acquitted on one count of Title 18 U.S. Code 1001. And that was you know, based on materiality. It was based on, I guess, inconsistent testimony to different, you know, Inspector General, Congress and and the special counsel by Jim Baker, who was the only witness to the alleged lie. And so it's yeah, it's very tricky. There's a lot of different things at play. And so I just wanted sort of to be clear that everybody understands that this isn't not really a prosecutable crime at all. Impeachable, 
maybe, but prosecutable criminal? No. Yeah, I wouldn't even think it's impeachable, honestly, because, again, this has become the norm in these nomination hearings. If all of these candidates, liberal and conservative, do exactly the same thing, which is go to these hearings and try to kind of be very vague and evasive and not get pinned down on anything, I don't know how you call that an impeachable offense. I mean, they're, they're doing the same thing that nominees from both parties have done for 30 years. Right. So if you have a, a quote unquote more liberal justice up there saying, you know, it's a law of the land, I'll uphold it, et cetera. And then for, for not overturning it, you would have Republicans trying to impeach liberal minded justices for not really answering questions. <laughs> yep. I mean, I think there's a lot of ways to respond to Dobbs and there's certainly a lot of understandable anger and frustration. But the idea that we should spend time and effort thinking about a criminal prosecution of the justices is just, in my opinion, a waste of time and time time better spent elsewhere. Yeah, no, agreed. We have there's lots of other things we can and should be doing. I appreciate your time today. Everybody follow Randall Eliason on Twitter. Very, very good information uh, coming from that account, former federal prosecutor and also white white collar crime professor at GW. I'm going to have to come and audit one of your courses one of these days. That'd be great. Thanks for having me. No problem. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hi, everybody. It's AG from The Daily Beans. Hey, this is Kimberly Johnson, host of the Start Me Up podcast. Hi, it's Frangela from The Final Word and Idiot of the Week podcast. Hi, this is Jody Hamilton of the From the Bunker podcast. Hi, it's Mariah and Steve from, from How, How We, we win. win. And we are joining forces to support the How We Win Fund. The midterms are coming, and the best way we can fight back against the Republicans is to support Democrats in key battleground states. Our democracy is under attack, but we don't agonize. We we organize. Yes, we do. Together, we can protect and expand our Democratic majority this November. We are so close to a Cinna mansion-proof majority in the Senate. Take them out. Join the MSW Media family of podcasts and support the races that need us the most by donating to Swing Left's National Impact Fund. Just one donation goes directly to all of Swing Left's top races. A GOP stoking hate, peddling lies, and suppressing our vote means we need everyone to step up to protect voting rights, civil rights, abortion rights, the environment, constitutional gender equality, the government, our institutions, all the things. Do it. We beat Trumpism before, and together we will make history again. So go to swingleft.org slash fundraise slash how we win to donate what you can, share this with your friends and family, and let's show the GOP that the grassroots persistence is here to stay. This is How We Win. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news or confessions, corrections, if you have, uh, you know, misheard song lyrics, find the cat, what the happy places, any photos you want to send in, you can do it at uh, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and kick us off, Dana, with a submission from Anne, pronouns she and her. Hello, ladies of the beans. This past weekend was the Ride for Roswell, a bicycle fundraiser ride for cancer research and treatment facility located in Buffalo, New York. As a two-time cancer survivor, 
who just completed radiation treatment for breast cancer on May 10th. I was delighted that I was able to participate in the 10-mile ride on a very hot summer day. The evening before the ride, I also participated in the celebration of hope and torch lighting ceremony. Uh, The woman who lit the torch was diagnosed with stage 4 ovarian cancer in 2004 and given six months to live. She credits the care providers at Roswell as well as her wife for helping her bear cancer. Before the torch was lit, a video about her story of survival and love was shown. It was great seeing a story about love and commitment between two people, which made the ruling and the concurrence by Thomas more galling, since it's apparent he wants to destroy that relationship. Although I think their love will prevail regardless of what Thomas wants. Attached are the photos of my crazy little chihuahua schnauzer mix, Joey. He came into my life nine days after surgery for my first cancer diagnosis in October of 2020. Oh, Joey is cute. Dude, Anne is a warrior. Look at those ears in the floof. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love it. Anne, thank you so much. And seriously, a warrior indeed. Keep thriving. Keep thriving, not just surviving. You are clearly thriving, and I could not be happier about that. Yes. All right. This next one's from Anonymous, pronounced she and her. I was turned on to your podcast by a coworker. We bonded over our dislike of Trump. I listen to you while I walk my dog and make sure to turn my phone on speaker, especially. We walk past the Trumpy neighbors if they're outside. <laughs> Below is a few shots of Bruce, 10 years old, adopted from Parma Shelter when he was three months old. I'm the person, quote, who didn't want a dog. And now all this time later, I can't imagine life without him. Thanks for keeping me motivated in these times that seem so oppressive. That is a gorgeous dog chewing on Trump's head. This is a handsome boy. Looks like part Rottweiler, part Burmese, maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's beautiful. That might be full Roddy on that second picture. No, there's a mix there for sure. Yeah. Like that white patch on the chest. Maybe though. a cattle, a cattle dog and so Roddy. So cute. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> I love with the Trump doll in his mouth. Okay, thank you so much for that. Next up from Amy, pronouns she and her. Hi, ladies. Love your show and the swearing, which is so needed right now. In light of the teardown America actions of SCOTUS, I'm trying to keep moving forward. I just turned in my application to be a poll worker. I'm also writing postcards for postcards to swing states to remind Democrats to vote, which is awesome. Thank you, Amy, for doing that. Uh, She says, wow, she's written 300 and she's waiting for her next 500 postcards. And she's also texting with PA. Lastly, I followed the lead of someone on Twitter and took down my U.S. flag. Will not fly again until I'm once again a full citizen. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was powerful. I didn't even thought about that. Oh, my goodness. Yes, thanks for all the work you're doing. This next one's from Melissa, pronouns she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. It's been a rough few days. Had to take a little break from watching the news, the doom scrolling on Twitter to keep myself sane. Same girl, same. Mm. I'm so thankful to have my happy place to go to, especially now. I moved to a co-op in a small neighborhood in Queens, New York in November. There's a beach club a few streets away with an amazing view of the Long Island Sound, Throg's Neck Bridge. It was a little expensive to join for the summer, and I felt guilty about spending the money. Luckily, New York State just sent a homeowner's rebate check that covered the cost. Uh It's been wonderful for myself, uh, my self-care, to be able to read on the beach and enjoy beautiful views. I recharged this weekend, and I'm going to look into helping through the abortion access front. Great. Good, good, good. Thanks for all that you do. Oh, look. Wow. It's a great shot. It's a great place. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. That is a nice, happy place. Thank you for sending that. I appreciate it. Next up, anonymous pronouns she and her. Good news. My two-year-old and four-year-old received their first COVID vaccines last week. Woo-hoo. 
We've been waiting so long for this. I cried happy tears knowing they'll have an extra level of protection when school starts this fall. Also, we were lucky enough to be able to watch the arrival of four robin hatchlings from the comfort of our patio. They've since left the nest, and I already miss sneaking outside every morning to check on them. It was a great way to start the day. Look at Oh, the babies. Look oh, at them. Adorable. Second picture is really clear. Wow. Oh. So sweet. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. All right, this is from Heather. Pronouns they, them. Darling ladies of the legumes. Thank you for keeping us all up to date with the slow collapse of society into the sea and for keeping us all at least vaguely sane. First, my good news. Last weekend, I finally bit the bullet. I got my nose pierced. I've been wanting to do it for about four years, just hadn't summoned up the courage. I decided it mattered more to me to get that thing than what anyone thought of me. Also, I feel really badass now. (laughs) (laughs) Also in the good news on Friday, uh, the 24th June pardons and subpoenas, there was an extended riff on the, the concept of frog orgies. <laughs> yes, there was. I literally had to pause the pod because I was laughing so hard. Then I did what I usually do and I went, I got out a brain worm these days and I had to draw it. Oh my God, this is great. So please enjoy this cartoon of frog orgy. Don't worry, no froggy porn that I spent a good chunk of this weekend doing. And I hope this counts as my pod tax. <laughs> the log says if this log's a rockin', don't come a don't knockin', come and a knockin'. there's <laughs> clearly several frogs in there. There's also, um, it looks like a little doggy-style frog action on a lily pad, and a really cute buffet of bugs and a bunch of frog legs that only you can see the legs. And the eyes coming up out of the water going, oh. Oh my God, this is fantastic. I love that you have this gift. This is amazing. So, so good. I wish I wish when I got a brainworm, I could just draw it out. I know, right? That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, remember you liked infants and I was the frog orgies. Yeah. Yeah. Person. We need to be more uh, specific. Mine had nothing to do with orgies. I just like babies and she was into frog orgies. <laughs> the way that was set up, I was like, uh-uh. If no one heard the episode, I'm going to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always make that mistake that Anyone I ever speak to has must have heard everything I've ever said ever in my whole life, right? I just walk forward in life assuming that, and it never works out. Well, you're like, I'm into frog orgies, and you like babies. Nope, that is not (laughs) how that's going down. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. Love you, but I am making a correction. Good, good. On-the-spot correction. And if you have a correction you need to send in to us, or anything else you want to send, particularly happy place photos, good news, corrections, whatever it is, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. I got to get out of here before my voice completely fails. Yes, you fails. do. Go rest, my friend. I have no do final have thoughts. Any? Give us a sign yeah. off. Okay, everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet and take care of your mental health and vote Blue Over Q. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media.